Hey everyone, welcome to the Screen Sanity Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Bowen, co-founder of Start, where we help families raise happy and healthy kids in a world that is increasingly digital. We've had hundreds of conversations with parents everywhere who share that the number one battleground in their homes is screen time. And while we've learned that there is no easy button when it comes to parenting today's kids, there's also an unbelievable movement of parents who are stepping into the arena and fighting for their kids' hearts. Each episode, our guests will help us dive into some of the tensions families are facing and walk us through some of the conversations you'll wanna have to prepare your kids for the road ahead. Welcome to Screen Sanity. Okay, friends. Before we jump into today's episode, I just want to give you a quick heads up that the topic that we're tackling today is big and it's hairy, and it might even be a little bit shocking or scary, even for adults. The content is not appropriate for younger listeners. So I just wanted you to know that if they are in earshot, I would recommend that you pause um, and maybe pick this back up at a time when you can listen privately. And while you do that, I will just go ahead and share that our topic today is pornography and predators. And it's something that honestly, when Start was first getting started developing resources for families, we weren't entirely sure what to do with it. We knew that there were so many different perspectives on the topic. And we, at the same time, were just overwhelmed by all the other content that we were developing about digitally healthy habits. But... Um, unfortunately, in hundreds and hundreds of conversations with parents, it became clear that this actually was not an issue that we could just keep sweeping under a rug because in story after story, parents will share with us how these online hazards have caused major damage in their kids' lives. And so it wasn't like this topic was gently knocking on our door. It was more like a wrecking ball blowing through our front porch, you know? So it became clear that if we want to talk about the digital health and safety of our kids, we need to have this conversation because the impact that modern pornography and online predators are having on the well-being of our kids is significant. So we set out to educate parents to know exactly what this territory and this reality looks like for our kids and to hopefully equip them with resources to know how to protect them in the online world and hopefully prevent them from accidentally stumbling into a relationship with, you know, pornography or an online predator that they did not intend to have. But thankfully, in our journey, we ran into a couple in New Zealand, Rob and Zareen Cope, and they are our guests today um, because they have been on a similar journey, researching how to best educate and equip their own children for the hazards of the online world, but then actually weaving this information into this compelling documentary called Our Kids Online so that other parents could be equipped. So Rob and Zareen, gosh, we're so glad you're here. Welcome and thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Krista. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us. (laughs) Well, we at Start are kind of Rob and Zareen groupies. So I would love to just let our listeners get to know you a little bit so that they can join our fan club. Can you tell us a little bit about yourselves and maybe just take us on a journey of what led you to be passionate about the topic that we're talking about today? Well, basically, we, um, we're just two parents living out in New Zealand, and we have, we're have we a blended family. So we have four children between us, and at the time, they were ages between 10 and 14. 
and they started coming to us asking us for handheld devices. But we both had our reservations about just handing the technology over. I was concerned about things like self-esteem, especially with the girls having the technology. Rob, you had some concerns over access to pornography online as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so we, we started doing a bit of research and we ended up kind of falling down this whole horrible rabbit hole, um, finding out all these harms that were happening to kids all over the world um, because of exposure to hardcore violent genres of pornography and also from engagement with predators. So we decided that um, we wanted to find out more and we kind of sought out the leading experts globally on these topics. We, We ended up traveling through the USA and working with people here and in Australia And we decided to document that journey because ultimately what we wanted to know is how do we keep our kids safe online and how can we help other parents to get this information as well? Because this was our job, but we were aware that there are parents out there who who work other jobs. And, you know, it's it's such a busy time for parents that we were aware that they didn't necessarily have the time and resources to be able to do the research to the degree that we were able to do it. So we just wanted to share that knowledge. Yeah, so as you guys started digging into the research, it just became this like mountain of information. And you know, this topic is that way, it's just overwhelming. So it's been such a gift that you guys were able to kind of take it and package it up and take us on your journey with you and let us learn alongside you. And, you know, there are so many things that you guys excel at really as filmmakers, but the way that you were able to present the information um, in a way that dismantled shame around it is just remarkable. Thank you. So one of the keynotes of the film is that rather than you guys kind of slapping kids on the wrist for stumbling onto these trip wires that are basically set out for them, you help parents remember that curiosity around sex is actually a natural thing. And, you know, our kids aren't doing anything wrong by seeking out information about sex via whatever resources are available to them. And you know what? Honestly, that's something that we can relate to because most of us have a story or a memory of stumbling onto some kind of pornography in our own childhood. And as I was preparing for this podcast, I was thinking about and remembering how I grew up in a small town. So there were about 10,000 people and our family actually owned the local video store. Um, That was one of my first jobs. (laughs) I'm not even making this up. So I would, you know, people would return the movies and I would put them in the video rewinder machine. And then I would, you know, make sure they were in the right cover and I'd restock the shelves. And then eventually, you know, I worked my way up to the cash register where I would scan videos. But I was remembering that not all of the videos that we rented were actually out on the shelf. (laughs) So there was actually a separate little red binder that had all of just the covers of videos, I assume, um, that we would keep below the shelf. And then occasionally, you know, in the dead heat of the afternoon when nobody else was around, (laughs) customers would come in and they would ask to see, you know, quote unquote, the binder. 
You guys were the local porn peddlers then. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, I was too young to know. And, but I did know that it was my cue to go get my, you know, my aunt who was helping me run the video store and, you know, she would take care of it from there. But, you know, for many of us, and certainly for me, this is kind of the default posture that we take. When it comes to pornography, we tend to think of it you know, our generation tends to think of it as something that's discreet and private, and we definitely don't want to talk about it with our kids. To get any kind of porn when we were growing up, it was like a really embarrassing thing to do because you had to go buy a magazine or go hire a, a video or something, and people knew what you were doing, you know, it was, and it was, it was really hard to get a hold of, and it was really embarrassing. And so you're quite right that a lot of parents you know our generation still have that concept of porn in mind when in reality any device that connects to the internet including playstations xboxes smart tvs anything that connects to the internet connects to all of the porn that's out there so any kind of genre that you're curious about any kind of sex whatsoever type it into google and away you go and that's that's the huge difference that that a lot of us just, I think, just didn't really realize how accessible it was. Yeah, and it's, it's not just like a, a selection of maybe 10 or, or 20 videos, which nowadays would be considered quite vanilla. You know, you're, you're talking about, well, I think when we spoke to Warren Binford, she said it was if you put all of the porn that's available online back to back, it would take you 70 years or something of nonstop watching. Yeah to get through it all. Whoa, what did you say? Did you say seven, one, seven, or seven? Seven, zero. zero. Yeah. Seven, zero. Yeah. And that was a few years ago. So, you know, there's, there's just so much porn uploaded every single day. And what you were saying earlier about kids just being curious, I mean, that's it. A lot of parents also think, oh, my kid's a good kid. They would never search for that. Mm. And they're missing the whole curiosity aspect that kids aren't bad because they search for this. They, they hear a term in the playground you know, and kids will talk about some pretty hardcore stuff in the playground, even at an early age, they come home, I mean, they hop on their iPad or whatever, and they'll Google what they've heard, Mm. just because they're kids and just because they're curious. And then, of course, they won't stumble across, you know, some 80s porn where there's a plumber and a a storyline. They'll stumble across some pretty violent, brutal porn quite often. Yeah. And then there's the other thing as well with that whole kids being kids, you know, if, um, if I got my daughter a new school bag, she would, and it was quite funky, she would take it into school and show all of her friends. And it's the, you know, it's that same concept that we have when, when younger kids stumble across porn on their smartphones um, and they go into school, they're going to show it to the other kids yeah. because it's like, it's novelty. Yeah, have you seen this? Check yeah, this out. Yeah. yeah. And so they've found something yeah. and now they're going to share it. And that's not because they're bad. It's because that they have no context around what it is they're sharing. If we haven't had that conversation and they have no context, they don't know that it's potentially traumatizing to another child. They don't know what the potential risks and fallouts are of doing that on sharing. So, you know, we have to always bring it back to our kids are so vulnerable and they're curious little beings and they're wired for novelty and they're wired to find out who they are in the world and how to be adults and what does the world mean? Yeah, I mean, they don't have a template or a framework of understanding for it. So the templating thing's interesting because, and we talk about this when we uh, we 
speak at parents' evenings around the country. And that is like my templating when I was growing up was like 80s movies. <clears throat> and if there was a sex scene, you really didn't see much, but you knew there was, there was a saxophone playing and there was like, there were candles <laughs> and, you know, the rest of it was left up to one's imagination. And so that was my, my templating and most of our templating through the 80s. Um, so, you know, of course, the first time I have sex, I knew there had to be a saxophone playing, you know, <laughs> some candy, you know, and uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and some candles. So the rest of it, I just had to make up. So these days kids are watching, you know, choking or ejaculating on someone's face or really rough, you know, anal assaults. And they think that's what sex is. They think that is what dad does to mum in the bedroom next door. You know, that is their templating. So when they go out and have sex for the first time, they're going to copy what, what they think sex is. And that is what's really scary about this too. So kids are missing each other. Teenagers, young adults, when they have sex for the first time, they're quite often doing porn on each other rather than kind of fumbling around in the dark like we did and figuring our own way through it. Yeah, and honestly, that lack of templating, it is causing some side effects with our kids that honestly were very shocking for me um, the first time that I watched your film. Um, but we are hearing about them at Start regularly as well. And I'm just, would you be willing to share um, about some of the hard realities that you discovered on your journey? The most shocking stuff we came across when we were um, shooting the film was we talked to a sexual assault nurse, Heidi Olson, in Kansas City. Now, she's a pediatric nurse, so when a child is sexually assaulted, she goes in and does a forensic examination and finds out as much information she can about what happened, who the perpetrator was, you know, and they basically, out of all the interviews they did with, I think there was like 400 children a year that they were seeing who had mm. been sexually assaulted. And 44% of all those sexual assaults were done by another child against a child. So kids are watching porn. They've been templated and a percentage of children are then acting that out on other children. Just like we did with superstars of wrestling when we were kids. You know, some, some kids have watched superstars of wrestling and then they'd act it out on other kids. Some kids are watching porn and they're acting that porn out on other children. And that was one of the most horrible things we came across mm. in all of our research. So, you know, we must always bring it back to our children are so vulnerable. Yeah. And I think what's so challenging as a parent is that once you have this information, like you've just shared, once you see it, you can't unsee it. And then you start coupling that with the reality that screens are everywhere. All of our lives have shifted to screens now. So not only are they in our homes and that's where we're doing our school, but they're also, you know, on the school bus and at sleepovers and at grandparents' houses. And so, you know, as a parent, you're like, what are my options here? <laughs> you know, either I can turn a blind eye and pretend like it's not happening, or I could, you know, my husband and I always joking, you know, we're going to just move to Montana and like move off the grid where there is no internet, you know. But then there's this third option, which is trying to raise awareness about it and, and sharing with other people um, what you've learned. And that's hard because sharing these concerns with, you know, the culture sometimes can be a challenge. Um, there is a norm to kind of turn turn our heads because it's too hard to talk about. 
Um, but especially when it comes to interacting with other people who have an influence on your child's life or whose homes your kid is going to be spending time at, those are really important and also courageous conversations um, that we that we should be having. Have you guys experienced any of those kinds of tough conversations with um, places where you're not sure how the parent is handling technology in the home? Yeah, we've got good at awkward conversations over the last couple of years. We've almost got the answer. It's never going to be an easy conversation to have. It's never going to be a comfortable conversation to have. And I think, um, I think number one, the thing that any parent who has to have a conversation with another adult about what are the rules around um, the online access in your home, I think the first thing that, that you need to do is keep telling yourself that the potential risks to my child are, are you know, it's not worth me saying, oh, I can't have this uncomfortable conversation. Yeah. You know, Rob and I are in the fortunate position, you know, when our kids go to play dates, we're in the fortunate position where we can call up the, the parent and say, hey, you know, we made this film. But um, even at that, you know, I recommend people can say, oh, I, I listened to this podcast or I went and saw this talk or in the news there was this, there was this headline right. about X, Y, and Z. Oh, and yes. so now I'm just, you know, I just have a concern around what happens in the online space. And I'm just wondering kind of what, what your rules are because my preference would be when little Johnny comes around to play, do you think that you guys could put the screens away just for during that play date? Or if they're going to look at something online, can an adult be present whilst they're online? And our thing that we yep. said to the kids is like, you know, we're going to have this conversation with the parents. And if the parents are being funny about it, then your friend can come here. But so far, so far, every parent yeah. we've had that conversation been have been really good. You know, I had this conversation with a parent like two weeks ago. My youngest son was going for a play date and I just said, hey, just wondering what uh, filters you guys have on the devices at your house. Because uh, I'm just really concerned about, you know, our kids are curious and what, you know, what they could find online. And she had filters, which is great. And then I said, would it be okay when Phoenix comes over if they just didn't, if they just weren't on any devices at all? Would that would that work? Um, and she said, yep, that's perfectly fine. We'll put the devices away. It's better that they play outside and go do some football anyway. And she was she was great about it. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much what we've found. Um, you are going to find some weird parents along the way that will get all antsy about it. And as Zareen said, you can just say, hey, that's yeah. cool. Your, your kid's welcome to come here anytime you like. But, you know, we just have some really strict rules around our kids and the Internet. And the other thing as well, uh, like my daughter went to a sleepover. So there were, there were multiple kids involved. Yeah. I got in contact with the mum who was organising the sleepover and said to her, I'd love for Neve to come, but I can't have I can't have Neve there if the kids are going to have unsupervised and all have uh, smartphones and have access to the internet. And yeah. I said, would it be possible to just have like you know what what kind of restrictions are you know are you are you thinking of putting in place around that? And she then asked me for help with that. So I said to her, look. What, what you could do right. is when the kids come, when all the kids come, say to them, can you just pop your smartphones here in the kitchen? And if you guys need to call your mum right. or your dad, 
just come and see me and I'll, I'll give you the phone and, and you can do it out here. And at seven o'clock at night, the devices or eight o'clock at night, the devices will be put away. And you take them into your room yeah. so that they're not getting up in the middle of the night and being online. And she said, yeah, that, that sounds reasonable. Yeah. That sounds fine. Thank you very much. You know, and I did say that thing of if the girls are going to go online, can you just make sure, you know, that you're there? Now, if she hadn't agreed to that, Neve already knew that she wouldn't get to go to that sleepover. And I'm not I'm not there to be Neve's right. friend because I'm her parent. It's like foremost right. my job to keep her safe. So we've already had these conversations to prepare our kids because what we don't want to do is go putting filters in place or monitoring apps in place or making up these rules without talking to our kids about it first. Yeah. It's kind of like in the old days, you know, you wouldn't send, right. our parents wouldn't let us go to house, houses that, you know, the parents had really loose morals around alcohol, you know. So my parents just wouldn't let us go to yeah. certain people's houses when we were kids because they had different beliefs around drinking when you're really young. <clears throat> and it's just the same thing. It's just like moving to like the digital age from what we grew up with and just go, well, these are the rules in our family. We know the dangers. So, you know, we need to have that conversation with any any parent. And mm. yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and like Rob said, most parents that we've talked to have been fine because a lot of them have said, oh, well, that's great actually because it's better for them to play together than to just sit ignoring each other on their yeah. devices anyway. Yeah. So it's good. It's right. it's good for the kids. They see the benefit in the kids being able to spend time together playing. And I think right. what we're finding is a lot of parents, they actually want to be able to say no, like put your phone away at the, you know, don't bring right. your phone to the dinner table. Don't sit on your phone when you've got friends around. It's just finding that courage. Yeah. Um, as I think of my own journey, we've really had a similar response from parents in our work. I can remember about three years ago, um, the night that I was up in the middle of the night with my heart racing, you know, lump in my throat, scared to death to send an email to a few friends to share with them that, you know, I was actually thinking about not getting my daughter a, a phone for Christmas. She was in fifth grade at the time and hitting send and just feeling like, oh my gosh, I think I just ended my social life. But like the next morning, it was, my inbox was full of people who said, oh my gosh, I am so with you on this. And from that point on, after I broke the ice, I never quite had that same fear that I was alone. But for but for every parent, I think there is this definite perception that, oh my gosh, am I the only one? I think Robin Zareen and us here at start, we would say, oh my gosh, no, you are not. You are not the only one who wants to have this conversation. And if you can be brave enough and have the courage to start the conversation with whatever parent that you are interacting with, you might find that they are really eager to talk about this and relieved that you brought it up as well. Nice. And um, being able to do it without being that self-righteous yeah. parent as well. It's a matter of being able to do it and like yes. just a, a, I don't know, an open caring way. Rather yeah. than being, you know, no judgment. Yeah. No judgment. You know, right. It's not to say, oh, you need to change what you do, but just to say, we are really aware of some of the dangers, and kids can be silly sometimes, especially when they're together. So, would you mind just yeah. for this hour or this two hours, mm. would you mind just not having access to to online activities? I because kids are silly, eh? Imagine a bunch mm. of young kids. 
and they go, oh, you should look up boobs, yeah. you know, and then they would. And mm. and and they wouldn't find right. just boobs. They will find some pretty, mm. pretty hardcore porn. Yeah, that was a beautiful approach. And, you know, it's just great to be able to to offer your kids that that support and that safety net for for really a very real hazard for them. That is pornography. Let's talk a little bit about other safety nets that we could put in place for our kids with when it comes to pornography. Um, I think I've shared with you guys that I have four kids of my own. And one of the things that I've learned (laughs) over the years is that sometimes those conversations like this that we want to put up with them are actually a whole lot easier if we start them when the kids are really, really young. And one of our favorite resources at Start, and I think one of yours as well, is a book called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures by Kristen Jensen. Would you guys like to share a little bit about that book as a resource? Yeah, so Kristen is one of the experts that um, that we interview in the film. And it's her book is one of the books that that we take around when we do our talks, and it's on our website as well that we recommend. It's a it's a great way to have that conversation with kids, and I think you even need to bring it even back to even just being comfortable to have an age appropriate talk about sex. Yeah, as well. That's one of the main yeah. things we've yeah. found is that if we're not comfortable having the sex conversation with our kids, we're definitely not going to be comfortable enough having the porn conversation. Mm. And sex doesn't have to be a big, scary, taboo subject. I mean, we pretty much answer age appropriately every single question that our kids ask us. Mm. There's different talks for different age groups. And I think um, Kristen Jensen's book is great, definitely. And I mean, when she spoke to her, and she's got one for for young, from like three to six-year-olds, I think, and then her next one up. So it's Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Junior. And then good pictures, bad pictures. And, you know, we were really lucky. We actually spent time with her at her house and and went out with her for lunch. And, you know, she was saying about it can just be as simple as if you see people without their clothes on or if you see naked people on the iPad, put put it down and come in and tell mum and dad mum or dad or grandma granddad you know whoever is the caregiver so just even doing that with like really young kids is enough to know that oh I know what to do so if the kids have a plan they know what they're supposed to do when they see that you know and then also when it comes down to our kids are going to hear things at school and if we aren't honest and answer their questions Mm they will just go searching somewhere else for it. So we've had questions like, what's a gangbang? What's a threesome? What's a threesome? I'm like 10 years and yep. up, our kids have asked these questions. And we ask, we answer them honestly. Not in graphic detail. Right. I mean. But just the basics of what it is. Yeah. Neve, Neve asked me, you know, asked us, just like shouted out in the car, what's a threesome? So when I got her to an appropriate <laughs> place, you know, I just said to her that two people have sex. Yes. She said, and I said, well, a threesome is where three people actually have sex. And isn't that interesting? And and she looked at me <laughs> and then you could see, you know, she's like thinking about this. And then she's like totally grossed out by it. And then I'm like, do, do you have any questions that you want to ask me about this? And she was like, no, that's fine. And then she moved from that onto what food she was going to get from the food market. You know, but I said to her, at any point, whenever Uh you have any questions or any more questions about this or any other questions, just come and ask me, okay? Because I'm going to tell you. And so she does. Yeah. You know? And it's okay not to know the answer because I know a lot of 
a lot of parents are quite naive to what a lot of the terms mean. And so it's okay to say to a child, like, I'm not quite sure what that means, but, you know, I'll find out and I'll come back and we'll have a talk about it. Yeah, Um, that's a really, really important one to do so that that child knows that they are going to get an explanation. And the more sort of matter of a fact, and it's just one of these things that you are, the less they're going to be like, ooh, this is something taboo. You know, if you make a big deal about it and get all flushed and then they're going to go, oh, this is a big deal. Yes. If you shame them, um, then they're going to feel like they're a bad person for being curious about this. And then they're going to go find it by themselves, which is what we don't want. They'll just either look on their own phone if they've got one or they'll ask a mate at school to look it up or, you know, we, we have to... We have to quench their, their thirst for knowledge, for knowledge yeah. by, by giving them the, the answers. You know, kids respond to truth. Mm. Tell them the truth. I was putting Neve down to bed one night uh, last year, and she said to me, Oh, Mum, did the Joker get his makeup from a clown who used to capture children, have sex with them, and then murder them? She was 10 years old when she asked me um, this question. And I was talking to her, oh, oh my, my goodness, gosh. no. And then before I could even get any further, she said, why would an adult want to have sex with a child? Then she asked me, how would an adult have sex with a child? And then she asked me, how would a man have sex with a boy? So this was all within, <laughs> was a, this was all within was a, a couple of minutes. A lot to put it in. Mm. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, even with everything that we knew at that point, I was freaking out. So I did the, you know, I said, okay, let's answer one question at a time. So the the makeup that the Joker has, so then I went on Google, went onto Wikipedia about, you know, the history of clown makeup. So we sat and we looked at that and we talked about that. So that answered that question. And then why would an adult want to have sex with a child? And I, you know, I said to her, you know, sometimes adults don't, have the best interests of children at heart and sometimes adults do things to children that they shouldn't do and so um how do they have um how would an adult have sex with a child how would an a man have sex with a boy i just said to her around that because i didn't want to talk to her about anal rape and and pedophilia you know at that time So I said to her, you know, you've had the talk in school from the police officer about inappropriate touching. And I said to her, well, um, a man could touch a boy on his penis or his balls. And that is sexual touching. That's a sexual act. And she said, oh, okay. And I said, okay, do you do you have any more questions for me? And of course, that's a big thing to to talk about. And she just kind of sat there and said, no, no, I understand. And I said, okay, well, if you have any more questions at all about this, you can talk to me, you can talk to Rob, you can talk to your dad, you can talk to your stepmom, you know, come to us and, and we can talk to you about this. And then that was it. But if I had put her down to bed and she had a phone or had an iPad in her bedroom, she oh gosh, would have right. googled it and if she googled a man having sex with a boy can you imagine oh. what she what she could have seen right. she would have found it yeah, yeah. Uh, so again i didn't have wow. to go into graphic detail but i i was you know but i told her enough 
with what I already knew she could understand and with what I thought she could handle because I know her enough to, to get her and I by. And I tell you what, I was like dying inside. I was so scared. Will this make her more curious? Oh, yeah. You know, will she ask me more questions? Will right. she, you know, how am I going to answer even more questions? Because that is something we get from parents that they don't want to have the porn talk because they don't want to destroy their children's innocence or make them more curious or, or any of these things. And what we say to parents is the whole world is leading your kids towards pornography constantly because it is everywhere. Right. This is a hyper-sexualized right. culture we live in. Just go on to TikTok and look up Cardi B's WAP if you don't believe us. You know, like everything is driving our right. children towards this. So we need to be that place of correct information for them. They are not going to become more curious by us telling them the truth. We're going to help them through this by being open and honest. Mm. And we can also then talk to them about right. sex and things like that in a way that's in line with our own family values, in a way that we want them to learn about it. Because Rob is completely right. If we do not teach our children about sex and about porn, the internet will teach them about it. And it's yeah. not going to teach them the same way that, that we would. And so I say, and it's the same thing, like we right. talk about how do we have that conversation with other parents for play dates, everybody knows their children and take their cues. So if your child right. is talking about sexual stuff, like uh, Neve started jumping up and down on the trampoline and I could hear her um, and she was like, penis, ha, 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 ha. You know, so obviously they had talked about it in school. So I brought her in at that right. time and said, hey, we need to have a conversation. First of all, it's not appropriate for you to be jumping on the trampoline you know saying penis so loud i can hear it um and second you know <laughs> we need to talk about about sex and how that that works and so it was a very you know basic um you know a man will put his penis into a woman's vagina and this is what sex is mm -hmm. and you know i was able to then put my values mm -hmm. around that that this is something that happens in a loving respectful relationship when you're a lot older you know, when, when you're an adult. Yep. Um, so I didn't have to yep. go into too much detail, but enough detail. And so you may hear your child talk about something in the way that I could hear Neith saying that and having a laugh and a giggle. Um, you may be watching something with, with your children and maybe a, a romantic scene comes on. You know, and they might sort of, that might pique their curiosity. So a bit later on, you could set them aside and say, hey, you know, when we saw that on the program and then you start having that conversation and you take that as far as you're comfortable with. But I think what you need to understand as a parent is that the chances are your child has already heard something in the playground or something from friends or seen something on YouTube or on a TV program, and they probably in this day and age know a lot more or have heard things than we would imagine oh, that they had. It's so different. I remember getting a book called Almost 12 when I was almost 13 years old. Like I didn't know, I didn't know about <laughs> sex until I was almost 13 years old because it just wasn't around. It wasn't in our faces. Like, yeah. and so I just didn't even think yeah. about it. I remember a mate telling me, 
at school, like when I was almost 13, about what my dad does to my mum. And I was horrified, you know. <laughs> and kids will know about that these days at like eight years old. It's not an easy conversation. And even though, you know, we talk to our kids, I still often feel quite uncomfortable. And I feel angry. Um, yeah. Chris, you know, I, I feel angry that yeah. I've had to have these conversations with my daughter at an age that I wasn't ready to have those conversations at. But I know that in order to keep her safe, yep. I have to do it. So it's perfectly normal as a parent to feel angry, to feel anxious, to feel uncomfortable. But there are these resources yep. like Kristen's book. Yeah, and there are a lot of really great resources out there. You guys have a great collection of them on your website, ourkidsonline.info. And we do as well here at startwestartnow.org. And, you know, I'm actually listening and I'm thinking about that that parent out there who has the sinking feeling in their gut that maybe the train has left the station on this and that, you know, maybe their kid has been looking at porn or has had exposure to a predator and that it's time for them to kind of, you know, step into the ring and address it. And, you know, I don't know if you'd be willing, but could I kind of throw out a Dear Abby situation um, for you from a parent in our community who's feeling this way? Um, and who has shared with us, I think my son is watching porn, but I don't even know how to start that conversation. How do I step in at that point without looking like an old fuddy-duddy? Now, we actually came out with a couple of animations that we put in the end of the film, but they're available just on YouTube as well. And one of them is how to have the conversation with your teen son about porn. And basically it's an animation of a father and a son sitting in a car and they go for a drive along the car so that in the car so the boy can't jump out of the door when the conversation gets mm-hmm. awkward. But it's it's like, you know, I me as the dad, I didn't real really realise the impact of porn that it has on the young developing mind. And so we're going to put filters on all all of the devices to keep you safe. Um, and I want to start having the conversation with you about porn because, you know, up to one in three young guys uh, end up having uh, porn-induced erectile dysfunction because their brains become hardwired to porn, and then when they want to actually have sex when they're older, you know, up to one in three of them can't actually perform. And so I'm really, you know, as you get older and, you know, when you're with someone, when you're older and you want to have sex, I want to make sure that, you know, you can actually have sex. Yeah, I put together animation that explains it really well. Yeah, so that that's one for teenage boys and, and you can find that on our website as well. But what I would say as to, to yep. add to that is, you know, obviously it depends depends on the age. You know, if, if it's a younger boy, like... Um, then yeah, having having that conversation and always starting that conversation with you know, you know it's it's okay, everything is okay. I just want to have this conversation. So right. for the younger one, it's about starting that conversation with hey, um, it's it's okay, everything is okay. It's about making sure that they know that they haven't done anything wrong, and that's really important when when they're right. so young that they they don't understand it to the same degree that maybe a teen would. I mean, we're assuming it, it's a boy here. I mean, it could be a girl as well. We understand porn is a super stimulus and it's actually, it's different from, from real sex. So it's it's talking to those things that, yes, it's a super stimulus, so it's meant to make you watch it. 
it's not real. It's not what happens in real life. And it's about asking them, you know, it, you know, how did it make you feel? Do, do you want to talk about how it made you feel? This is something that happens. And so we need to be comfortable right. to be able to have that conversation. So to start with, way. it's about connecting with the kids. Yeah. Like really connect with the kids and, and tell them, now give them the information, educate them and say, look, I'm really concerned about online porn and how addictive it is. And I've kind of dropped the ball a bit as a dad. And I'm sorry about that. Or a mum. Or a mum. Yeah. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to have new rules in the home that, you know, there's no devices in bedrooms ever. Um, the internet will be turned off when we go to bed. And we're going to put filters on all your devices. So I'm going to research which are the best filters because it's my job as an adult, as your parent, to keep you safe. And I'm sorry if I have dropped the ball already on this, but I'm aware now and we're going to put these rules in place and protect you and look after you from now on. Also, kids will say, don't you trust me? And we say, this isn't a trust issue. This is a wear your seatbelt issue because, you know, it's my job to keep you safe. So that's why we put filters in place. And that's why we don't allow phones in the bedrooms and, and all this. It's not a trust issue. This has to do with porn is a super stimulus and you're a young, got a young developing brain. You just don't stand a chance. And there are, I mean, there are people who can help as well. I mean, if you've got a, if you've got a teenage son, for example, who's really struggling, um, you know, turn to people like Gabe Deem or, or Noah Church. They have um, online resources. They have forums. They're there. And so it's about educating ourselves as well on how best to help our Mm. kids if we do find that there's um, an addiction that's forming. So it's never too late, um, no. Krista, it's never too late. It's never, ever too late to help our kids with this. And don't ever assume that because you're a good family that this isn't going to happen because I know people that this has happened in really good families yeah. that it totally blindsided, you know, the child. When the child reached like 18, they said, yeah, I've had a hardcore porn addiction since I was 12 years old Yeah. when my grandparents first gave me, you know, a, an iPad and right under the nose of really good parents who just had – you know, no idea whatsoever. So this happens, can happen in any family, no mm. matter who you are, no matter what your belief system, no matter how morally, you know, straight up you might be. Porn is, porn is addictive. Yeah, and we need to stop thinking about it. Um, as parents, we need to stop thinking about it as this big, right. horrible, horrible thing. And we need to think about it in if my child right. was sniffing glue, right. if my child was drinking alcohol, if my child was taking drugs, we have... To, to see it in that same way because there's no way that we would go, I'm too uncomfortable to have a conversation about my 14-year-old who seems to be drinking alcohol. There's just no way that, that we wouldn't step in and do something, you know? So I, I, as overwhelming as mm-hmm. it seems, I, I can promise you that once you start this journey of, of connecting and opening up and talking about it, it becomes less scary. Yeah, absolutely. And I would just say that starting by listening to today's podcast is an awesome first step. So you've got the hardest part down. Um, And if you would like more resources, definitely check out Our Kids Online, which is available on Vimeo. And we also host showings of it occasionally at start. So Robin Zareen, we're so thankful for the work that you've done to help parents wrap our brains around what is going on. Could we just close our podcast today with some fun rapid fire? Sure. Yes. Uh-huh. Awesome. Okay. So the first one is your favorite piece of old school technology. 
Auntie, the kind that you have to kind of explain to your kids? Uh, Sonny Walkman. I had a blue one. Loved it. It was amazing. Okay. I, I like the old dial yes. phones. I don't know if you've seen that YouTube clip that someone did. A mum got her two teenage boys and timed them how long it would take them to figure out how to use the old dial phone. It's hilarious. Yes, I think I have seen that one. Okay, how about a fill in the blank? Being a parent in 2021 is so hard. Yeah, I was going to say brutally hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really hard, man. We are up against we are up against technology that has rapidly moved in such a way I I don't think it it's moved that rapidly in such a short space of time ever before. So it's really difficult. Yeah, for sure. Favorite app? My favorite app? I'd have to say it's probably my LinkedIn at the moment because I get to connect with like such amazing people who are working in the world. You know, without all the drama and the, the I don't feel like that's causing me an addiction, uh, LinkedIn. So yeah, for me, yeah, that would be it. LinkedIn, that's cool. Okay, favorite trick you use to keep your tech in check? I deleted all the apps from my phone. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> notifications. Turn yeah. off your mo- notifications. Yeah, I turned yeah. off. I turned off like, like practically all of my notifications. Guitar Tune is my favorite app because it's the only app I have on my phone now. <laughs> yeah, you went right or you just took yeah. everything off, right? Yeah, well, I was once addicted to Angry Birds. I was once 78th in the world at Angry Birds. So I know I know all about addiction and how, how, how awesome this technology is. So I just don't have it. <laughs> That's awesome. You are a recovering Angry Bird. Awesome. Okay, last one. The internet breaks down for 24 hours. What are you guys going to do to unplug? We have the kids like uh, cards. We, we, we play games. <laughs> yeah, we have board games. We play Mahjong. We play Romeo. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we so found fun. this amazing device. I don't know if you've got it in the States, um, but it basically has all of the arcade games from the 80s. Like Street Fighter and oh, Space Invaders, Tetris, Pac-Man. like Sonic. It has all 1,600 games it has on it. And you plug it into your TV. It doesn't connect to the internet. And you can play all these old school games with oh, your kids. It's got like the, the little joysticks and the little buttons, like the proper arcade yeah. <clears throat> um, setup. It's like a oh, keyboard, it's so but it's not. It's just buttons and two joysticks. Yeah. So you can play it with each other and, uh, yeah. And our kids love Street Fighter. Now, back in the 80s, if you let your kids play Street Fighter, you would have been a really bad parent. <laughs> but now we're like, get this device. It's called Game on Friends and let your kids play Street Fighter. I'm sure you guys would have it from somewhere. Because it's a worldwide one. Yeah. yeah. And now you can see why our start team is constantly joking about needing to take a trip to New Zealand to hang out with our friends, Rob and Zareen Cope. I hope you guys enjoyed hearing their perspective today. Not only do they have an amazing expertise in um, helping highlight and eliminate the hazards in the online world for our kids, but also they have this beautiful message of calling kids into um, healthy sexual relationships as adults and, and helping parents understand what it looks like to help build that template. And I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, we'd love for you to subscribe to the Screen Sanity podcast or follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. 
And if you want to learn more about our resources, you can visit us at WeStartNow.org and maybe even join an upcoming screening of our kids online. So until next time, maybe grab yourself a game of Street Fighter (laughs) and help yourself know that screens are pretty small, but life is pretty big. Keep looking up.